Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my Property Mastermind Mentorship. Hello, and welcome to episode number 39 of the Property Magic Podcast, in which I'm going to bust some myths about purchase options and purchase lease options. Now, these are some of my absolute favorite strategies. They're very powerful, but massively misunderstood. So you might want to check out episode number 11 of the Property Magic Podcast, in which I share more information about purchase lease options. But in this episode, let's bust some of those myths. So we're going to start by talking about what are options and purchase lease options, how and when can you use them. Then we get on to some of the myths. So people sometimes think they can only be used when in negative equity, which is just not correct. People often think, are they legal? Well, yes, they are when done in the right way. And also, can you actually get mortgages? So let's start with what is a purchase option and how can you use them? So a purchase option is where you have an agreement with the property owner that you have the right to buy their property at a price that you agree now, sometime in the future within the option period. You normally put down an option fee to make it a legally binding contract. And what it means is if you want to buy that property, you can buy it, but they can't sell it to anybody else. But if you don't want to buy it, you don't have to buy it. So you have the right but not the obligation to buy. So basically you can control that asset. Now let me give you some examples of how you actually use these. So if you are a deal sourcer and you secure a great deal, one of the problems many deal sources have is they run around trying to find someone to sell this deal to. And in the meantime, the owner gets frustrated and finds someone else who wants to buy that great deal. So deal sources use a form of a purchase option as a lockout agreement to make sure they have the right to buy or assign that deal onto someone else. Similar to that, but slightly different, is a strategy called an assisted sale, where someone's got a property they want to sell, you're not buying it, but you help sell it through a traditional estate agent. And have you ever seen properties that say they're cash only purchase? Now, a cash-only purchase is normally a low price because there aren't that many people who actually have cash, but you can use a purchase option in the following way. So let's say a property is cash-only because it's just not habitable. For example, there's no kitchen or bathroom in the property, which means you can't get a mortgage. Or maybe there's a structural issue, such as subsidence, and again, you can't get a mortgage. Or maybe it's a leasehold property and the lease is less than 70 years, which again means you can't get a mortgage. So in all of these circumstances, these properties would be advertised as cash only. However, you could go and agree a price with the owner and agree a little bit of time before you actually buy the property. So you secure a purchase option for a period of time, whether it's three months, six months, but not very long. And in that time, you then fix the problem and then you can either buy the property yourself at that discounted price or sell it on to someone else. Another example is, let's say you have a property you want to turn into an HMO. So it's a three-bed house, you want to turn into a six-bed HMO. Now, you can do that under permitted development rights, unless, of course, the property is in an Article 4 area. Now, we've mentioned in other podcasts all about Article 4 and planning, and what it means is the permitted development rights have been removed. So if you want to turn a house 
into a six bed HMO in an Article 4 area, you have to apply for planning permission. Now, most councillors would automatically reject that because they don't want more HMOs, which is why they've enforced Article 4. However, if it meets the criteria, there's a good chance on appeal you can actually get planning permission. But you wouldn't want to buy a house and take that risk. So again, what you do, you agree the sale with the seller, you secure it on an option, giving you enough time to apply for planning and then appeal. If you get the planning, you buy the property, you then convert it into the HMO. If you don't get the planning, you don't have to buy the property. So again, it gives the control and the flexibility. Now, if another way of using um, purchase options is in development. So a lot of property development, land and commercial buildings are secured and sold on purchase options. And in the same way to the HMO example, you might buy some land or you might buy a commercial building, wanna do some conversion there, you control it, secure it with an option, get the planning permission in place, and then you either buy it or you sell it onto someone else. Now, at the moment, I'm speaking to a very large auction company, and we're talking about the feasibility of people actually selling options in an auction. And if that happens, which we think it will, it's going to be an absolute game changer for people who understand this strategy. Now let's talk about purchase lease options. So far, we were just talking about purchase options where you have the right to buy at a fixed price sometime within the future. A purchase lease option is very similar, but it's got that extra word in it, lease. So what does lease mean? Well, lease means hire or rent. So the difference is, unlike a purchase option, you actually get to use the asset during the option period. And in exchange of that, you pay a monthly option fee to the owner. So let's say you find a tired or retiring landlord and they've got an HMO that maybe it's not full at the moment because maybe they're a remote landlord and they're struggling to manage it. Maybe they've got a bad letting agent looking after it or maybe the property is tired and doesn't appeal to the kind of tenants they're trying to put into that property. So for whatever reason, that landlord may not be getting the full rent on that property. And actually, they might be happy just to sell the property. So we go to them and say, look, we'd like to buy that property from you, but not now, sometime in the future. And in the meantime, we'll take away the hassle. And that's a really important point thing. We've got to see what's the benefit for the person doing this strategy. And so um, a great example of this that we've done before is where you might have a landlord, they might have a really good property in a great area, and maybe it's normally a student property, but for whatever reason, they've missed the academic year. Maybe they had a group of students signed up, ready to move into the house in September, beginning of the year, and unfortunately, maybe the group fell out over the summer holiday or some of them didn't pass their exams. So the group is dissolved. This landlord now has an empty house. And because they're thinking student, 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 they don't think about other type of tenant. They're thinking the house is going to be empty for the rest of the year. Whereas you could come in, you could control it on an option. You could buy it sometime in the future. And in the meantime, repurpose it, rent it to other types of tenants, such as working people or young professionals, and have a really good profitable deal. Now, a myth that I often hear when people talk about purchase options or purchase options, they think they only work when they're in negative equity. And that's because they think, well, why on earth would someone agree to sell their property at today's price when it could be worth more in the future? And they conclude from that 
The only reason someone would sell it is if it's a negative equity. So they can't really sell it now and they have to wait a few years for the value to come up. Well, you can do options on negative equity properties, but that's not something that I would recommend. You see, a lot of people talk about buying properties in cheap, rundown areas where there's negative equity. And I think that's a big risk, Percy. I don't think that's a good idea. If you buy in one of those areas that's had poor growth, well, there's a very small chance that you're going to get good growth. And so why on earth would you take that property on if you don't think you're actually going to be able to, be able to buy it? In fact, the, 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 the opposite is really true in that you can actually buy properties with 100% equity, with no mortgage at all. It's what we call an unencumbered property. So a great example of an unencumbered property might be a property that someone has inherited. Uh, an older person's lived there. They've unfortunately passed away. They've given it to some family members. And very often that kind of property, there might be no mortgage at all. It might have been paid off many years ago. And because an old person was living there, um, the property might not be very modern. It might require some modernization. And the family who inherit this property, maybe they don't have the money or the inclination to do the property up, or maybe it's the other side of the country, or maybe they don't want to become landlords. So we could find those properties, we could secure them on a purchase lease option, and we could actually come up with a really good ethical win-win deal that works for them and works for you. Now, this is often where people struggle. Again, they think, why on earth would someone do this? Well, the simple answer is that we can give the owner of the property a better alternative than just selling it now. If someone has inherited property, let's look at that example. The property is going to need some work. They're not going to sell it at the full market price. And especially given the market conditions right now, they're definitely not going to sell at the full market price. And most people want to make as much money as they possibly can from the sale of a property. Now, there's a really important thing you need to understand here. There are generally two groups of people when thinking about people who are selling a property. The first group is the largest group, people who are selling the property because they need to release the equity to use for something else. Maybe they're gonna pay off their home loan, maybe they're gonna pay for their daughter's wedding, maybe they want to invest in another business. So they're selling this property to access the money, the cash in the property. For those people, a purchase option or purchase option is probably not going to work because they're not going to get the money right now. They can hardly say to their daughter, uh, well, we'll pay for your wedding, but we've got to wait five years. It's just not going to work. There's another second smaller group of people who are selling properties because they don't really want the property. It's surplus to requirements. And there might be equity or there might be no equity, but they don't need the cash right now. And it's these people, this second group for whom purchase lease options can work incredibly well. That's why purchase lease options work very well with landlords because often they have a number of properties. They don't necessarily need the cash. They're just selling the property because they don't really want it anymore. And we're seeing increasing numbers of these at the moment because of Section 24. I've mentioned this on other podcasts, but this is where the government has changed the way that we as investors are taxed. And what that means is if you own property in your own name and you're a higher rate taxpayer, which many investors are, and you have mortgages, you're going to pay a lot more tax on your property profit. So for this reason, many landlords who are thinking about retiring in the future are bringing forward that decision and retiring earlier than they might normally retire. 
Now, if they just sold all their properties in one year, they'd pay a lot of corporation tax. So it makes a real benefit for them to phase the sales over a number of years and maximize their personal capital gains tax allowance. The only problem with that, of course, is if they're fed up of managing their properties, they've got to hang around until the very last one is sold. This is where you can step in and come up with a really good ethical win-win solution for them. You can step in, take control, take over the management of the property so they can go and sit on a beach if they want. And you agree a schedule where you're going to buy the properties over a number of years and they're secured on purchase lease options. This means you get cash flow and potential equity growth from property you don't own and you don't even have a mortgage on, which is why it's so good for you as the investor. So a great way to approach this with someone who's selling in the property is to ask them uh, this really great question. And this is a question actually which I cover in one of the other episodes of the Property Magic podcast. I think it's actually episode number 37, where we ask someone the question. um, So you say to the seller, what's most important to you? Is it getting the money in the bank as quick as possible or do you want to maximize the amount of money you make from this property? Now, if you think about it, most people, they of course want to maximize the amount of money they get from this property. If someone's selling a property right now in the current market conditions, they're probably not going to get the full market price. If a property is worth 200,000, you and me as an investor, we might want to buy at maybe 170, 180. They're not going to get much more than that. However, if we buy on a purchase lease option where we're not actually buying now, we're buying in a few years time, we can potentially do a situation whereby we say to the owner, well, I'll tell you what, I will give you the full price. So instead of 180, I'll give you the full 200 you want if you're flexible about when you get the money. And for that extra 20,000 pounds, if they don't need the money right now, they might be very happy to do the deal. And remember, that's a key point. These only really work if someone doesn't need the money now. Now, the other thing is um, that people really struggle to understand here is they say, well, hang on a minute. Why on earth would the landlord give me the cash flow from their property? Well, you've got to think about it. If they sold the property, they'd lose all their cash flow anyway. But not only we can give them a higher purchase price than they could potentially sell it for right now, but also we cover the mortgage and give them a little bit of extra profit each month, which would be more than they would earn if they did sell and put the money in the bank. So net net, these people are going to make a lot more money by doing a purchase lease option than just selling them. So this is why it really works for them. Now, another myth is that estate agents really don't like purchase lease options. And there's an element of truth there. But actually, most agents just don't know what purchase lease options are. And the reality is that actually they they don't like the concept. If you go in and say, hey, I want to buy a house, but I'm going to buy it in five years time. The agent's thinking, well, I'm not going to get paid my commission for five years time. That's why they don't like the idea. When you know what you're doing, you can actually suggest to the agent that they get paid their full commission by the owner within three or four weeks instead of three or four months if an actual sale went through. How does that happen? Well, when you pay an option fee to the owner, as part of that, you could include the money that the agent would normally get as their commission 
paid by the seller when they sell the house for the seller. So what this means is you pay the commission to the seller, they can use it to pay the owner. This does a couple of things. First of all, it keeps the estate agent really happy and also it shows the seller some commitment that you generally want to buy this property because any option fee money you put down up front, you lose if you don't buy. Because remember, you've got the right to buy but not the obligation to. So another question is, um, people say, well, are these really legal and can they be challenged? The reality is there are some places where you can't do options at the moment. For example, in Scotland, you can't do purchase lease options and plus a couple of places in America and a couple of places in Australia. And I know we have listeners from all over the world listening into this. The good news is in the vast majority of places and obviously in England and Wales and Northern Ireland, you can absolutely do purchase lease options. Can they be challenged? Uh, well, potentially they might be. Um, I think there might be in the future no win, no fee solicitors who might go to property owners who decide actually they don't want to sell because maybe their property has gone up in value and they think, I don't want to sell it at the low price I agreed. And they, they forget five years ago, they were in a real problem. This person came to help them and they think, I don't want to sell anymore. So potentially they can be challenged. That's why we always encourage everyone to use solicitors. A big mistake I see people make is they try and do an agreement, agreed on a kitchen table, and that might well be challenged in the future. Remember, we want to make all of our transactions completely ethical. We want to make sure the seller completely understands what they're getting into. So for that reason, we would recommend they use a solicitor who understands how to do these options to make sure they get independent legal advice. And part of the duty of care with that solicitor to the client, they will say to them, look, you're entering into agreement here. You're agreeing your house to sell your house for this amount. It might be worth substantially more in the future, but you're only going to get this amount you're agreeing to. Do you understand? And that seller will have to sign a contract to say, yes, I understand. Now, once they've done that, they can't really go to court and say, oh, I didn't really understand what I was doing. Just another point here to make it really ethical. If you're dealing with an elderly person, I highly recommend you get their family, their kids involved, so they understand exactly what you're doing and they they realize this elderly person is completely gets it they know what's going on the family can all see the benefits and then when it goes forward obviously they can all say yeah we we understand what's going and they're not then going to challenge it another myth i hear people say is well these are all very well and good but can you actually get mortgages when you come to exercise the option because sometimes people think there's if you've had a relationship with the owner you've had a management agreement maybe there's some sort of agreement and you can't get finance well obviously the mortgage market is constantly changing but what i can tell you right now we've got clients who are absolutely getting mortgages on properties they've secured on options in the past. Now, obviously you buy at the agreed strike price. So let's say you've agreed of a price of 200,000, the value might be 260. You can't buy at 260, you're buying at the 200. And so your mortgage is based on the price you're buying at. Now, one slight challenge with that, some lenders are sometimes a bit nervous if they think something's being bought below market value, because they think there might be a motivator seller. They don't like to be associated with that. However, there are lots of lenders, commercial lenders, bridges, who you could absolutely buy through. In fact, one of my clients, 
Um, he went to a commercial lender. He had an option on the property in Bolton. He had agreed a price of 70,000. By the time he bought it, it was up to 100,000. And he demonstrated to the lender that he'd actually paid the mortgage on this property for the last seven years. And the lender actually took that as his deposit and pretty much gave him all the money to buy the property. So he had to put very little of his own money in. Now, Will that happen when you exercise your options? Maybe, maybe not, but certainly that's happened recently. So it's all about making sure you don't listen to people who don't know what they're talking about. When you're listening to people who are talking about property strategies, make sure those people have actually done those strategies and have real life experience so they know what they're talking about. Now I've put together some more in-depth online training and you can access it for free at this website, www plo as in purchase lease option plo training.com there'll be a link in the show notes for you as well if you go there and register you'll be able to access some more training to teach you about how you can use this really powerful strategy and there's not much competition because most people just don't know how to use this properly so i do hope this has been valuable for you as always i'll encourage you to invest with knowledge invest with skill thanks for listening to the property magic podcast To get this week's show notes, please visit www.propertymagicbook.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can contact me via LinkedIn. You can follow me on social media. And I highly recommend you subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch loads of valuable property trading for free. All of the details are available in the show notes. Until next time, invest with knowledge, invest with skill.